welcome to our weekly Polaris podcast. So I have Jeff Powell with me. So Jeff is our managing partner and chief investment officer of Polaris. Jeff, it's great to have you. Oh, thank you. And I am your host, Jeremy Whitbeck. I am a partner at Polaris and also a, the managing director of the business development group. So Jeff, really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. Obviously, a lot of things have happened in the news with regards to the election and with regards to vaccines. And so really curious to hear your perspective now that we've had a little bit of time to digest some of these news pieces that have come. Because first, can you speak to the election and where we currently stand with the results? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we have uh, Biden uh, coming out uh, over the weekend when the Associated Press had shown that he did have enough electoral college votes, uh, took an acceptance speech, even though we right now, even uh, as of uh, November 11th, have not heard from President Bush conceding, uh, or President Bush, President Trump conceding uh, his uh, position uh, to President-elect Biden. But uh, uh, yeah, so we had a an acceptance speech without somebody conceding. Uh, we still have Trump uh, fighting a lot of things in, in the courts, but we've also had a lot of the courts throw out uh, his accusations of voter fraud uh, to the level in which if you are actually looking at um, the overall uh, electoral college maps, those types of things, and if you're taking it from a truly neutral standpoint, which I know uh, a lot of people are not, um, Again, one of the things I always talk about is there's tens of millions of people every four years that are highly disappointed with the results that come out from an election. And in this case, we had the highest voter turnout that we've ever had. I mean, Biden won with 77 million. Trump lost with 72, which would have won any other election prior to that. Um, you know, not necessarily from an electoral college standpoint, but certainly from a popular vote standpoint, um, which is fantastic for American politics, we obviously want to have uh, everybody getting their voice out there, but uh, really the, the three states that are still contested being Georgia, North Carolina, and Arizona uh, really don't even come into play anymore. Uh, there are some accusations of Pennsylvania as well. Those uh, have actually been put aside, uh, and there's still also a 50,000 vote count difference. So a uh, very low likelihood of uh, enough vote swing there that would make a difference versus having other places like having, you know, Georgia, well, that's continued to expand a little bit more towards Biden, uh, but it's still only about a 14,000 vote differential, which you could see uh, a different swing there. Uh, but it really is looking like this thing is over. Um, one of the things that is still not over is the senatorial races. Uh, mainly because we have multiple states that require a 50% or higher actual vote count. Uh, and um, when you don't have that vote count, uh, then you're looking at needing to actually do a runoff. And Georgia actually has two open Senate seats uh, that are uh, going to a, an early January runoff. Uh, we'll know more about uh, how those election results happen uh, once we're there. But right now, it appears that the Republicans hold 50 seats, the Democrats hold 48. Uh, if you're considering also that the two independents line up with the Democrats. Uh, and so really what we're talking about is Bernie Sanders, who, if you're looking at him, really is not an independent. Um, 
And so again, uh, from looking at it in that kind of context, it, it's not looking like uh, that we'll have a blue wave, which is one of the reasons, and we talked about this before, it's one of the reasons what the markets really liked was having that check and balance system. So it's looking very likely uh, that we will see um, the Democrats hold the Senate at least for the next two years until we have a midterm election. Yeah, Jeff, I appreciate that perspective. And uh, to your point earlier, I mean, this is clearly a hard-fought election. In fact, a lot of people rose on both sides fighting hard for their candidates. And now that this has all unfolded, do you have any advice for people as we go through future elections, which may be um, as hard-fought, with regard to managing their money and not having emotions get in the way of their investment objectives? Yeah, I mean, I think the key word that you just brought up was emotions, right? I mean, you know, oftentimes, and again, people get, uh, well, different people have different viewpoints when it comes to politics. And politics can be one of those third rail items that you do not want to touch, uh, which could potentially harm a relationship. And we're not afraid to talk about it. We're, we're not going to talk about our own personal beliefs, but Again, one of the things that we really try to do is to be as agnostic as possible about it, uh, not to be red, not to be blue, not even to be purple, so not even a moderate, uh, to be translucent. Uh, we've got to be able to be willing to work with whatever is going on. And we talked before about kind of having what-if scenarios. So what if we saw Biden win uh, the presidential election but not have anything else change, do not have the Senate flip, do not have the House flip? I mean, the, the pollsters, as we kind of joked about in our last uh, uh, podcast, make uh, weathermen and, and economists look like they're, they're fantastic at predicting the future. Um, they got it wrong. Uh, they thought this was going to be a landslide win, uh, which it was not. Uh, they thought there was going to be a blue wave and have uh, Republicans lose the House and the Senate uh, or lose more seats in the House and lose the Senate, uh, which didn't happen. Um, it's so hard to predict, so why take extreme measures when it comes to your money? Uh, the other side of it is just because your political beliefs don't line up with who's in power doesn't mean that the markets may not react positively to it. Um, obviously, there's enough people that believe in the things that you don't in this situation uh, that push the markets up. So... You know, it's one of those things where whenever I see extremes, you know, all in, all out, you know, they're the enemy. They're not the enemy. I mean, they're bad and I'm good. You know, black and white is not reality. And so the more that we can kind of look at things and temper them and kind of find some middle ground. So, okay, I'm terrified about what's going on with the election. Fine. Maybe take just a tiny bit off the table. Just keep a little powder dry. But guess what? We're already doing it for you. So if we really felt like the risk levels were going up substantially and that the markets were reacting negatively to what was going on, are we better equipped to make that choice? Or are you as an individual investor? And it's not meant to sit there and beat people up. It's not an, an, an intelligence thing. It's a specialization thing. You know, again, we have conversations with all sorts of highly successful people all the time about uh, what we're doing, why we're doing it, everything else that goes into it. It's not a competition about that. How much time are you spending every single day? What's your training? What's the research that you have? How are you making those decisions without it being just a complete gut reaction that you're taking it to an extreme? 
So, and I see it on both sides, Jeremy. This is not a Republican thing because Trump lost this election. It's not a Democratic thing. It's a both party thing. It's whoever's in, par- in power, the other side tends to really kind of go off the deep end. So now that we have a Democrat uh, as a president-elect, we've got our Republican clients that are complaining. Guess what was going on four years ago? We had a a complete flip-flop of the Democrats that we had as clients complaining that Trump was taking office. Great, complain about it. But at some point, we all have to kind of get behind whoever's elected and really try to be as supportive as we possibly can for the betterment of the country. Yeah, Jeff, great advice. And on a uh, little bit of a different note, but something I think uh, both sides of the aisle can really uh, celebrate, we've had a lot of really good news come out from a few drug companies with vaccines. Do you mind uh, taking us through some of those announcements and what the potential implications are? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we had one several months ago, which was, uh, I believe, Moderna, but it's the, the name of the, the company that came out and said that they were um, that they had a uh, vaccine that was working, was, was pretty effective, but it was on a very small group of people. Um, and so the markets kind of initially reacted very positively to it and then kind of uh, let that subside. Um, and just the last couple of days, Pfizer came out um, and said that not only do they have uh, a vaccination, uh, but the vaccination itself is 90% effective, which is just off the charts incredible uh, if it's actually true. Certainly um, a lot of news to, uh, to digest here in the last couple of days, and it sounds like there's been a lot of progress made in that front. What are the implications then going into the latter part of this year and the beginning of next year if it is found that these vaccines have some merit? Or I guess on the flip side as well, if it's found that after their peer review, that their results aren't quite what they were hoping for. Yeah, so what we're looking at within it is, I mean, obviously, uh, well, let's just take a couple steps back. You and I are not doctors. Uh, we're not pathologists. Um, what we're talking about is purely what we're researching and reading in order to understand the impacts on the economy and everything else that kind of goes along with it. Uh, that all being said, um, normally, if you have like a flu shot, which again, you go, flu is a virus. Uh, if you've got something that's 50% effective, it's considered to be uh, very good. Uh, this is 90% effective. This is amazing. Um, a, um, in my reading, I cannot find a sample size on this. So in my research, I, I don't know how many people that they've sampled. Um, it has been a very quick uh, way of looking at this. And so in dealing with that, Part of what we have to look at is, you know, uh, what are the side effects? Uh, there was a study that came out that said more than half of Americans are afraid to get vaccinated uh, because of how quickly these vaccines are coming to market, um, which is a great thing on one side and it's scary as hell on the other. You know, are you going to glow in the dark or worse, you know, as a result of uh, taking the vaccination? Uh, so what we want to be looking at within it is the safety behind it. Um, and then really, uh, obviously we need to get enough of these vaccines if they are indeed safe into the hands of people, you know, first responders, those at highest risk first, and then work our way through the rest of the population. You're talking about, you know, in just our country alone, you know, in a neighborhood of probably having 
uh, close to 400 million uh, injections created. How quickly can that happen? Uh, most people are saying that minimally you're halfway through next year uh, before we're looking at having immunizations going on in this country. And as we've talked about before, you need a 70 to 80 percent uh, herd immunity before you start really knocking down a virus. So when we have our population fighting masks and other things, you know, fearful of the overall safety of this, uh, I question how quickly the adoption rate will be. And then the other major fear, and you and I have talked about this in, in past, and we talked about it today, uh, is mutation. I mean, these things do mutate. And so we may come up with a perfect thing right this moment. And by the time that we have enough of it to actually start uh, immunizing our population, it's mutated enough to actually uh, knock it down and not make it as effective or, or make it ineffective completely. Uh, so our, I think, really good uh, possibilities. Uh, it's certainly way better than we were a couple of days ago. Uh, it's actually very insightful with how uh, these doctors are approaching it. Um, so it will be, I think, very interesting to see in the end uh, where we stand uh, come uh, summertime of next year. Uh, the scary thing is that we're just seeing rates that are going through the roof right now. Uh, and we're starting to see hospitalization rates going on. I was actually provided a, an internal memo uh, from a healthcare company in the Midwest uh, that was talking about, you know, it was, it was to their own workers talking about how scary this uh, particular winter is going to be, how much, you know, their hospitals are already filling up, and that they're very concerned at this moment uh, of what to expect. We had 142,000 new cases yesterday alone with 1,400 deaths just in the United States. Uh, Texas, uh, which we've kind of talked about in the past, uh, has surpassed California as the number one spot. Uh, and that went over a million uh, people that have had uh, COVID in just that state alone. We're at 10 and a half million. It seemed like less than a week ago we were just barely going through it. And again, if you're looking at, at the escalation of it, I mean, the height that we were uh, at the worst that we were back in June and July was a little under 80,000, and we're hitting 125,000 right now. And yes, you can sit there and say, okay, well, these are younger people, and they can handle it better and everything else. Great. We're starting to see an uptick in our death rate, too. Okay, so again, the seven-day average has gone from around 750 to over 1,000. Uh, in just the last month. That is not a good trend. That is obviously a 33% increase in what we're seeing there. Uh, no one can argue that that's a good situation. So we are starting to see hospitals fill. And even though we know how to prepare people better and we know how to, uh, to attack this better, we're coming into cold and flu season. Um, it's going to be a very interesting winter. Yeah, well, Jeff, thank you for... Uh... For some of those statistics, certainly um, not out of the woods yet, and I don't think you can be stressed enough that uh, when you're especially out in public, wear a mask, wash your hands, try not to touch your face, and do everything you can to uh, limit your exposure because uh, we're still uh, fighting this virus, and the winter months tend to be uh, much harder for coronavirus-type viruses with regard to spread and preventing uh, catching it. 
Jeff, any, I guess, last thoughts for the audience before we wrap up for today? Anything that you want to leave with for the end of the year or just uh, investment uh, principles in general? Well, uh, my big thing is just to kind of re repeat a couple things. Um, you know, A, uh, let's not go to extremes when it comes to elections. I mean, obviously, people have their viewpoints. It's why we vote. It's why it's called a democracy. Uh, and, again, 50% of the people that are voting – uh, on average, or let's just say 49% to be a little bit more accurate, are not going to be happy. In this case, it's 47% of the population that's not going to be happy with the end results. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's why you vote. Uh, you don't get to get your way all the time. Um, and again, four years ago would be a perfect example of how that flip-flopped. Um, and we're also, you know, again, so we're, we're going to be going through a transition. Uh, we're going to watch how that transition goes. Uh, we're going to uh, hopefully see um, a check and balance within our political system because technically we could still see a stalemate in, uh, in the Senate. And if that was the case, then uh, all tie-breaking votes would go to the vice president, which is uh, obviously a Democrat. So therefore, you would see uh, the Senate contr being controlled by the Democrats. So uh, the Republicans in early January need to take one of these two states seats uh, or Georgia state seats uh, in the uh, Senate race uh, in order to have that check and balance system that I think is a real necessity. If Biden is really true with what he's saying um, and he wants to bring Americans together, uh, I think that that could be a very interesting thing as well. Uh, so really, we haven't seen that since President Clinton. Whether you liked him or not, uh, he was actually the last Democratic president to really work side by side uh, with uh, the Republican Party uh, and, you know, again, really have some compromises going on. So Biden talked about, you know, that we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans, we're Americans, and that we need to be working together and put the divisiveness aside. Hopefully that's the case. And if that is the case, you know, maybe we do see uh, some very good things come out of uh, the next four years of having him and Kamala uh, in office. Um, my personal belief is, regardless of your political ideology, is you've got to give the person that just got elected a, a fighting chance at uh, what's going on. Um, and so we will have a new president come January. Uh, I think that it's important for us as a country uh, to to stop trying to be as divided as we are and, and try to side behind, you know, making things work better for all, um, be it a Black Lives Matter movement, be it a COVID taking a disproportionate amount of minorities, um, and, you know, in both hospitalization and death rates, uh, and a lot of that due to living conditions and uh and really where they, you know, kind of shop and everything else. There was a, a Harvard study that just came out showing uh, why they felt like it was more uh, uh, impacted, even things like a grocery store uh, for uh, someone who is of lower income tends to be a smaller shop, more crowded, uh, and as a result, they're staying longer in a crowded space than somebody that is uh, from, uh, from more affluence which is leading to, to, again, higher numbers. You know, again, where they're saying it is, is crowded, enclosed areas. So to your point, Jeremy, 
masks are essential. This masks are science. This is not a political statement. It's simple science. It's why we gave out uh, masks to our clients. Uh, we felt like it was, again, we're trying to protect them from, uh, from bad things going on in the markets. And we're trying to help them from bad things going on in our environment right now. So the biggest thing out there that I would throw is, again, politics, let's get it out of our lives for a moment. We've had enough of it for uh, the last several months. Uh, let's come together as a group. Let's make uh, uh, COVID a non-political thing as well. Uh, and hopefully um, we'll have that wrapped up sometime in the next year so that we can go back to more of a life as we uh, have grown used to it. Yeah, Jeff, well, thank you very much. Um, certainly uh, sound advice for uh, what's been a crazy time. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. So I appreciate everyone for listening to us. And as always, be safe and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.